Love it, love it, love it. You may have a seat, and our kids can head up to be with our team in Redemption Kids this morning. And uh, while they are on their way, I want to once again welcome you to the gathering of Redemption Hill Church. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of our pastors, and so we're super glad that you took time out of your weekend to come and experience more of who God is wherever you are in your journey. Uh, we love to see people learn who he is and take more steps with him. Well, um, as the kids go, um, I want to give you just a few quick announcements that you can prepare for beyond today, and then uh, we're going to spend just another moment in prayer. So uh, number one, the first announcement is groups launched this past week. That's right. You can clap for that. Go ahead. I know you wanted to. Somebody wanted to, and then it was like, can we do that in church? Well, we've already been doing it with the songs. We can do it during the sermon or even the announcements because this is a celebrate. You anticipate it. Listen, we had 163 unique people in our groups throughout the week. That is a record number for our group's ministry. So just love that. Uh, Our prayer is that we would see everyone who comes in on Sundays be able to connect in deeper ways relationally and with God through our groups. And so um, if you did not know about our groups or didn't have the chance to jump into a group, then do so this week. We would love for you to do that. Um, And then after the service, immediately after, we would love for you to stick around. If you've never had the opportunity to attend what we call Next, Next is a place for you just to begin and belong, to hear more about the vision of Redemption Hill, meet some other people. So we would love for you to go ahead and make plans to hang out with us after the service. About a 45-minute lunch, we'll have you in and out. And then next Sunday, the 22nd, uh, we're having our next covenant class after the service. So if you've been a part of Redemption Hill and you're like, man, this is my church, my family, I'm on this mission with these people, then we would really love for you to come to the covenant class. It's a uh, first step in our membership process, but it just takes you deeper uh, kind of into who we are as a church uh, to, to help uh, people get to know who we are. Um, and then the last announcement, and this really kind of launches us into where we're going in the sermon today as we think about uh, having a city vision. On uh, September 28th, that Saturday, Redemption Hill is partnering with the city of Medford, the Malden Y, and the Greater Boston Food Bank to host the first ever mobile food market here in Medford. All right, so this is going to be uh, on the 28th behind City Hall in the parking lot there, and there are slots that you can sign up from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., okay, and you can actually go immediately after the service in our Connection Center and sign up, um, but, but all you need to bring is your energy, all right? You just need to be ready to help out. There are going to be people, leaders that know exactly what you need to do, all right, so it's going to be a smooth um, just event, and uh, it's going to be a great way to serve people in need in our community, okay? So um, what I want to do is just take a moment to pray. Pray for our kids and our Redemption Kids ministry, and then ask God to speak to us as we hear from his word this morning. So let's, let's go to our, to our God again uh, and turn our hearts in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are a God who not only is worthy to be celebrated, God, but you love us to celebrate. You love us to clap, and you love us to sing loud and You love us to get excited about who you are and what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, it's our prayer that you would continue your good work in our lives. God, we pray this for every kid that is a part of our church. 
Lord, thank you for redemption kids. Lord, thank you for uh, every person who serves week by week, Lord, and just with other opportunities as, as our redemption kids ministry is growing and expanding, Lord. We pray that uh, maybe even some who are sitting here in this room uh, would, would desire to step into serving the kids once a month um, through our redemption kids ministry. Um, so God, we pray for them that you would show them more about who you are today. And Lord, as we uh, now receive from your word and what you've spoken to us in these pages. God, would you give us soft hearts and would you give us hearts that are sensitive to hear your voice, Lord, right where you need to speak to us. God, we all come here today in different places with our hearts in different positions. And so, God, it's our prayer that you would reposition us today. However, we need to be repositioned, that we would uh, hear from you, and that we would be so moved and encouraged and full of life and love that we would move out differently than we came in. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, uh, this morning is the second uh, week in our Together for Boston series. And we're doing this in partnership with 13 other churches around Boston who are just about Jesus in the same ways, loving Boston, serving our city in the same ways, and want to be a part of a larger movement in our city. And like I said last week, and this is so beautiful, just a life lesson, um, it's so great to be something bigger than ourselves when we see beyond ourselves, right? You know how that works? We just kind of get our eyes off ourselves and we focus on those around us, and we're actually forward excited when other people succeed. That's how we feel about these churches and other Jesus-loving churches around Boston. And so today, all of these 14 churches are going to be thinking about what does it look like to love and serve our city? What does it mean to have a city vision? And the starting point for us this morning is not going to be, you know, 25 stats about the city of Boston. Uh, I didn't prepare, you know, an extensive description about how great Boston is, okay? You live here. You know why this is the greatest city on earth. Come on. I mean, you like that, but it's the truth. Can I get an amen? Just thank you. That's right. Our city, the greatest city. Um, so so I, don't need to, I don't need to convince you how amazing Boston is. But our starting point needs to be the very heart of God. It's asking the question, what is Jesus' heart for our city? And I think the best place to go in terms of, we're going we're gonna to spend some time in Matthew chapter 9 today, but, but where he articulates this, and, and just we can start to wrap our minds around Jesus' heart for our city, is really the most famous prayer in the Bible. Perhaps the, pray that, the prayer that you've prayed more than any other, or the prayer that's been prayed across the world more than any other, and that is uh, the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. It begins, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then Jesus continues, and he wants, and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done in Boston as in heaven. I mean, he says, he says on earth, you know, like certainly he says on earth, I just know that where God has placed me is here. Now, certainly, I care about the rest of the earth. We care about all nations, and John read a scripture about the nations, and we care about the rest of our nation, but... But this is a way that we can pray. God, would you, would you fulfill this vision, God, your kingdom vision, that, that, that 
is, is really in, in reality. It's this amazing truth. Can you just picture this prayer, the implications of this prayer? Jesus' vision, his, his desire is for nothing less than heaven to touch earth. For the kingdom of God to hit the ground right where we are. And this is what's so amazing, and this is so personal for you. This is why I wanted to pray before I started the sermon. You know, it's like, hey, listen to Tanner. Tough for, you know, 35, 45 minutes, whatever. You know, try to hit that sweet spot about 38 minutes now. And it's like, you know, and, but we may not receive for ourselves that, like, this prayer is for you. It's amazing to consider that wherever your feet touch the ground this week, God's desire is for heaven to touch earth. This was the life of Christ. As we see Jesus moving about and as we're going to look at his life here this morning, the, the staggering reality for the person and work of Jesus Christ is whatever he did and wherever he went, heaven showed up and shined through. And can you believe that he wants the same to happen in your life? And so I want to read from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And I want to read these verses for us. And I hope they just sink into your heart, even as I read them for us today. This is what a disciple of Christ, Matthew, he was a tax collector. Uh, he wrote this about our Savior. He says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. As we look at the life of Christ, as he's going about and doing what he did, we, we, we see a vision for how he was loving the place where he was assigned in northeastern Israel and Galilee, a very fertile region, which made it a very populous region. He was Loving people, not just part of them, but all of them. And what he saw moved him then to serve people. And then finally, as he was doing so, he was pointing to a greater reality. Those are the three principles I want you to see today. Love the whole person, not part of them. See to serve and point to the not yet right now. And so the first, the first thing we see here is how Jesus loved the whole person, not just part of them. What we have in verse 35 is like a, a, a summary statement of the life of Christ. It says that as he was going throughout Galilee, and uh, the Jewish historian Josephus would tell us that uh, in this area of Israel, there would have been 200, about 200 villages and cities. 
in this area. And this area would have stretched from like Lowell to Quincy and from the harbor all the way past Worcester, all right? So we're talking like 40 by 70 uh, length of square miles that Jesus was moving about systematically one by one, one by one by one by one by like 200, okay? And he was doing what there? He was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And so what we see here is that the life and the ministry of Jesus can be summarized in a twofold description, okay? There were both words and there were deeds or actions, right? And so first it says that he taught in their synagogues, okay? This was, the synagogue was the place of instruction and worship for the Jewish people. And these synagogues were, 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 were all over the place. And so uh, as was the custom, when they got together, not on Sundays, we worship on Sundays because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead, all right? So this is why we meet on Sundays. But the Jews worshiped on Saturdays. It was their day of rest and worship. And when they got, got together, they would take a section of the Old Testament, just like we take a section of the Bible, and they would say, like, hey, this is what it means. This is what it means for our lives, okay? And so Jesus was a really good teacher, and so when he showed up, he just took a section of the Old Testament. He would teach the people with authority in such a way that they were like, wow, we've never heard anyone teach this effectively or this powerfully. But it says he not only taught in their synagogues, but it says he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. And what I love about this, this, isn't, this is um, just what it seems to me in the text. I didn't read this in from any scholar or commentary, okay? But, but um, what it seems is going on is that Jesus taught in these synagogues where people were coming together, but then it seems like as he was just going about doing his business, you know, Sunday through Friday, or Monday through Saturday, he was constantly talking about proclaiming the kingdom of God. To proclaim means to make a public announcement. It's like, you know, where you're speaking in such a way that it's not just for like a, you know, coffee shop conversation, you know, like that's great too. Jesus had those plenty of times as we see in the Gospels. But he was speaking in such a way that multiple people could hear. So there, were, there was a ministry of words that pointed people to the king of the world, God, and his plans for our lives. But Jesus didn't stop with words. It says that he healed every disease and every affliction. He not only talked about what the kingdom looks like, but he actually showed people. He showed people what the kingdom looks like. And this is what I love about Jesus Christ. This was his pattern from the very beginning. If we were to flip back to Matthew chapter 4, we're going to see that when he launches his public ministry, the very first words out of his mouth, okay, were what? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near. It has come in your midst. And by the way, the kingdom came because the king showed up. We talked about last week how the good news of Jesus is a gift to receive and a king to follow. And so when the king showed up, King Jesus, he was teaching about the kingdom and showing people the kingdom. And that's exactly what it says in verse 23. If you go on, it's almost a, 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 a verbatim uh, echo or precursor to chapter 9 that he was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. This is who he was. This is who he is. He not only spoke words of light, but he performed actions of light. He showed forth deeds of light. 
And what I love about Christ, and maybe you just need to hear this today in a fresh way or in a revolutionary way, Jesus cares for us at our point of deepest spiritual need by saying, I love you so much that I made you to have a relationship with me that though you have not wanted to follow me or live for God in your life, if you would repent, that just means have a change of mind, leads a change of heart and action. If you would change, if you stop the way you're living and start living for me and put me first, you're going to experience the power of God's kingdom in your life. It's going to change everything about you, just like we talked about last week. But not only did he speak words of life, he also cared for people. Are you ready for this? Physically, emotionally, and relationally. Jesus cares for us in all of our brokenness. Jesus offers us a holistic salvation for the holistic mess and the holistic problems that we find ourselves in. It's amazing that, that Jesus comes to heal every mental disease and affliction. As we think about the reality of, of anxiety and depression, I mean, there was another pastor, 30 years old, out in the western part of the United States, very prominent, very well known, 30 years old, took his life this week. And this is becoming just a common occurrence, not just, not just amongst people, but even pastors, people that love God with all their heart and are seeking to follow him. God cares about us mentally. He cares about us emotionally. He cares about our physical pain and suffering. And as we see in the gospel so many times, it just, we just read closely. What we are going to see is that oftentimes Jesus just very naturally would, would tie the two together. You know, which is a really good approach for us. You know, like he would feed thousands of people. That's, that's a deed of the kingdom, an action that reflects the kingdom of God. But he would also then say, I am the bread of life. If you're looking for a, an internal a satisfaction to the internal hunger of your soul, here I am. He would give sight to the blind, and then what would he say? I am the light of the world. Jesus would Raise the dead and say, I am the resurrection and the life. And so we see how Jesus not just proclaimed the kingdom, but he embodied the kingdom. He represented the kingdom. He did the, the works of the kingdom wherever he went. But then we say, well, what about us? What about you? What about me? And there's a, a danger that most people fall into. And that danger is, is going to one end of the spectrum or the other. And here's, here's what I mean. You have like kind of word people, word-dominated people, and you have deed people. And so word people can be so focused on the word. And by the way, you, know, you might not be surprised me being a, you know, a pastor and a teacher and someone who loves the Bible. This is the end that I, this is the end that I, I lean toward. I, I try not to go on the spectrum, you know, to that end. But, but, but I have to watch my life because I can be a word person, you know. And, and it's like when I've hung out with certain evangelists. Evangelists are people who, you know, go around and they tell people about Jesus, which is a really great thing. And we're all for that. 
you know, anywhere, anytime. But one thing that, that I've noticed sometimes that even evangelists, they, they just walk up and start talking to people. And it's like, wait, 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 can we like tr- treat this person like a person? Can we, can we even just get to know their name? Like start with, with just like, hey, my name is Tanner. Like, nice to meet you. Before we just launch into like truth bombs and, you know. So you have word people on the one hand, but then you have deep people who do 1,000 great things. They show acts of kindness, and, and they're serving, and they're meeting needs, and they're getting their hands dirty, and we thank God for that, except the problem is they never give Jesus any credit. I mean, like, there's this uh, famous quote that's attributed to Francis of Assisi. It says, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. There's two problems with that. Number one, he never said it. Number two, it's just not true. You can't preach the gospel without words. The the gospel is inherently verbal. It is news that has to be spoken. And so I don't know if you're more of a word person or a deed person, but the antidote for uh, being a word person or being a deed person is becoming a Jesus person. Because Jesus always did both. He knew that words without deeds is hypocrisy, but deeds without words is insincerity. Did you hear that? Words without deeds, hypocrisy. Deeds without words, insincerity. And so no matter where he was, and I I love, we look at the life of Christ, and it's it's like, you know, like Christians, and we're just people, we're human beings. Like, it doesn't matter if you're reading a Christian blog or or one that's not, you know, has anything to do with Christ. It's like we're we're all looking for, like, the the list, you know what I'm saying? Like, the the five ways to, you know, be successful in your job, or the three ways to, you know, uh, make friends and influence people. And it's like we're always looking for a formula. Well, guess what? There's not a formula. It's not start with words and then move to deeds or do some deeds and then get to words. Okay, here's the formula. If you want a formula, here's the formula. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit plus Holy Spirit equals kingdom. Holy Spirit. You hear that? We just live our lives. And we're led by God wherever he takes us and wherever he places us and wherever our feet touch the ground. And and maybe in that moment, what someone needs is a word, but maybe they need an act of service and kindness before we start telling them why we do what we do. And so our city vision loves the whole person, not just part of them. But then number two... As we see in verse 36, from Christ, we we serve by seeing. We serve by seeing. Look look back at verse 36, and here we see the compassion of Christ. He says, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so why Jesus was teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction is because he saw the needs around him, not just the physical needs and emotional needs, nor just the spiritual needs, okay? He saw all of the needs, and it moved him to compassion. The word compassion, uh, translated from a, a Latin word, it actually means to suffer with. 
And sometimes it's like, you know, everybody wants a word study and everyone wants the etymology of a word, but the problem is that we, like, hear that, but we miss actually what it was meaning in the Bible, which might give us the intention of what Matthew was writing about Jesus in the first place. And in the Bible, the word, it, it, it literally means to be moved in one's guts. Like to be moved at our emotional core. Jesus felt the pain of the people around him, and it was more than a fleeting emotion. Compassion cuts us so deep that it ignites action in our lives. What I love about Jesus, okay, if you've never read about the life of Christ, maybe you're brand new to Christianity, um, this, this book, Matthew, that we're in, it tells the, about the life of Jesus. And then the next three books, Mark, Luke, and John, also tell about the life of Jesus. And what you're going to see when you read these books is that Jesus didn't just see people's needs and say, oh, God bless you, I'll be praying for you today. Not that it's bad to pray, nor say God bless you. But what I love about Jesus is that Jesus ran toward the tension and the pain, and he not only got personal, but he touched people. He touched them. He touched the outcast and the marginalized, the neglected and the minority. He touched people who had leprosy. If you don't really think about leprosy, it's a, it's a skin disease that was so common and prevalent in ancient Israel that, that was so contagious that if you had leprosy, you, you had to wear bells to warn people that you were coming. And Jesus not only didn't run when he heard the bells, but he walked up to them and touched them and cared for them and healed them. Wow. Thank you, God, for being this kind of God who meets us where we are, who loves us in our point of pain, who loves us in our imperfections, who's not afraid of our brokenness, whatever that brokenness looks like. It's not surprising that Jesus uses this imagery of of, of a sheep and, and shepherds um, for a few reasons. I'll give you a couple. Um, number one, sheep were very vulnerable and defenseless animals. And we see this in these two words that are used, okay? They were harassed, often harassed. That means, the word means that they could have been attacked by animals or, or, or hurt in the, the, the dangerous terrain of the open country to the point that they were helpless. The word means to be cast down, unable to get up, and so Jesus is, is pointing out, like, we're sheep. We're, we're, we're needy people. So often that's how we feel, maybe physically, but certainly emotionally and mentally and spiritually. It's like some days or some weeks or months. It's like, I just can't go on. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say as one person among many, Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. And he's not afraid of what's going on in your life. And he, he's, he's, he's super already uh, in touch with your past. He knows all about it. He knows every skeleton in the closet. Not only is he undeterred by what he knows, 
but he's so loving that he actually went and died for all of it. All of it. That's how much Jesus loves and cares for each one of us today. He wants us to know how much he cares. He wants us to know that he is, as he says in John chapter 10, he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. There is, there is an insinuation here when he's talking about the sheep are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's actually an indictment on the spiritual leaders in his day who weren't very good shepherds. And so if you want a deeper study this week, just go to Ezekiel 34 where God talks about this and he says that my people are going to be like sheep without a shepherd, but I'm going to send a faithful shepherd and I've promised him and he's going to show up and he's going to be my son, the Messiah, the king, and he's going to change everything. But it all starts with seeing don't miss these first few words. When, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had eyes to see the, the pain and the suffering of the people around him. Did you know that 57,750 people live in this city? When you add the cities that touch Medford, okay, um, Everett, Malden, Stoneham, Winchester, Arlington, Somerville, that becomes 332,850 people. That doesn't include many of the cities where you live, Cambridge, Boston, Woburn, and on and on we could go. How many of those people need our compassion? How many? That's right. All of them. Now, now, not all in the same ways or all in the same time. But what I love about this and what I love about a kingdom and a city vision is that it's so sweeping and it's so comprehensive. Again, wherever your, your feet touch the ground, just open your eyes and see what's going on around you. How many of you know individuals who were riddled with anxiety, depression, or addiction? How many of you know people who are suffering from unemployment? I'm talking about struggling to even put food on the table, much alone, let alone pay rent. You know anyone? You know anyone who's new to this country who might need the mercy of an ESL class? What about victims of abuse and racism all around us? People are hurting. People need our mercy and our compassion. They need us to feel their pain, to suffer alongside of them, to be moved at our emotional core that we actually do something about it. Fundamentally, there will be two responses when we see the needs around us. We will either respond with apathy or we will respond with action. And we all have to check our hearts here and look, like, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist, okay? I'm an idealist, if you know me. I'm certainly an idealist, okay? But I'm also a realist. We only have so much time in our week. And so the principle becomes, do, do for some people what you would want to do for everyone, right? And this is not just at an individual level of you living your life, which, by the way, just a little insight about redemption, this is why we don't have like a thousand things on our church calendar. Okay? It was like, hey, show up on Sundays, try to get in a group, let's serve together when we come together. Um, but we're not like meeting every night. We're not, we don't have, because we want you to just live life where God has placed you. 
and love the people around you. But it's not just at an individual level. There's some things that we could do even at a citywide level, like the mobile market that I talked about, is putting food in the hands of the hungry, or maybe getting involved in um, the, the conversations around affordable housing. How many of you know that it's not super affordable to live in Boston? Even if you make a decent wage, think about those that don't. The addiction community here. Maybe volunteering at the Mefford Youth Center to mentor kids um, who are struggling just in life or, or even mentally and emotionally, and they just need a friend. They just need someone that can offer them some counsel through life. Opportunity, this is the good news. Opportunities abound. If we just open our eyes, what about, what about maybe signing up for like some, some of our uh, people who just have done this again, like so many in our church who have signed up for a, a foster parenting class so that they're ready to take in children into their homes, into their lives as needs arise. Opportunities abound. But we have to pray, God, give us your eyes to see as you see. God, give us your eyes to see as you see. Think about this. Perhaps God brought you to Boston. I, I was brought to Boston 10 years ago. This is my city. I plan on dying here. If you want to know how I feel about Boston, am I right? <laughs> Some of you were brought to Boston like me. I say brought. You may not think God brought you here, but if you're here, I think God brought you here, all right? So we can talk about that after the sermon, all right? But um, you were either brought here or maybe God is keeping you here. Not so that Boston can be your ticket to a better life, but so that you with your life can make the lives of diverse people even better. I mean, just look at just, I mean, I, that's what I love about this city is just all of the, the diversity of people and, and the diversity of needs. And, and that's why we always say we want to be a thumbprint of our community. And that's why we've always from the very beginning uh, launched our Serve Medford initiatives to say we're going to, we're going to serve our way into people's hearts. We're going, to, we're going to meet needs and serve people even if they remain skeptical about who we are because we don't do it just for what we can get, but we do it for what's in it for them. And this is what I love about serving. When we serve, serving breaks down barriers. It does. It's really hard to hate love. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to hate love. And so when we have the heart of Christ, when we have the vision of Christ, we love the whole person, not just part of them. The way that we see then moves us to serve people in very real and practical ways, to sacrifice of our time, to maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe put our own health and our own lives in a bit of discomfort or danger for the sake of someone else. But when we do, when we do, do not miss this. I love this truth. We point to the not yet right now. We point to the not yet right now. Jesus gives us an idea of how his kingdom is now and the not yet reality is a bigger uh, biblical picture of the uh, 
arrival of the kingdom of God. So I just want to take you into this for a few moments. What, what we see in the arrival of Jesus, as I've said multiple times, if you haven't got it, you're not paying attention. I love you still, even if you haven't, okay? But he was word and deed, right? Matthew 4, Matthew 9, he was a word person, a deed person, he was Jesus. And when he came, he said, the kingdom is here. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He was embodying the gospel of the kingdom. And so what we see is that his kingdom was inaugurated. It was launched, all right? But it's not yet fully here. Jesus said that he will come back, and when the king comes back to earth, he will establish his forever kingdom that we will see and experience in his absolute fullness. It's going to be a really great day. That's right. Better than great. Thank you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be astounding. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be better than our minds can comprehend. You got another adjective, Nancy? Oh, <laughs> wicked awesome. Thank you. Oh, the Holy Spirit is in the house today. Oh, I love Nancy. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be wicked awesome. Wicked means good when Jesus is in the adjective. You know what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> but, 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 but here's the deal. All right. Here's, here's so often. This, this, was, this was super convicting for me this summer. One of the things the Lord impressed upon my heart is I was away for 11 weeks. And I went in with the, to the summer, like, just with my, with my hands open, my arms open to God, saying, God, I want to receive from you. I want to draw close to you. I want to I hear everything that you want to say to me. I want to receive everything that you want to give me. And very early in the summer, God started to impress this theme of the kingdom into my heart. And then he stamped it in some very tangible ways through prayer and through conversation and through reading my Bible. Um, and just that the Holy Spirit was working in my life and in my heart. But this is what he said, and maybe this would resonate with you this morning. He said, Tanner, so often you have great faith for that which is way out there. You, you, you really believe that not only is my kingdom coming, but that like big things can be happening in the future. Have you ever heard of the Great Awakenings, the First and Second Great Awakening? They started in this area of our country, and, and I, for one, just believe that God is big enough and the same God that he could bring the Third Great Awakening before we're dead and gone. That's what we're going to pray for. I mean, so that's, that's pretty big stuff, and yet what I find and what God said is like, hey, you, you're all about the not yet. What about the now? What about the calendar box of today, September 15th? Do you believe that I'm the same God now? There is a now reality to the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. It's near. It's now. That's why Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when he's talking about Isaiah 61 in a synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to heal the blind, to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captives. And then he says, in the year, this is the, the year of the favor of the Lord. What does that mean? It means when Jesus showed up, the year began. It's not like, you know, A.D. 33. It's, it's pointing to an age, a time period that stretches way beyond one year. This is the year of the Lord. 
Acts chapter 2, when Peter's quoting Joel 2, and he's talking about, in these last days, I will pour out my spirit on my sons and daughters. And these amazing signs and wonders are going to happen, and people are going to enter into my kingdom and call on my name and receive salvation. Guess what? This is the day of the spirit. This is the age of the spirit. The kingdom is now. And so if you're a Jesus person, that is the reality for you. This, this quote from George Eldon Ladd, he was the one, by the way, who, if you've heard a pastor in the past, maybe us, say, you know, the kingdom is already and not yet. It's already and not yet. It's now and not yet. He's the one that most people point to. And so I'd actually never read the book, even though I like quoted that little phrase a thousand times. Um, and so I went to read his book, The Gospel of the Kingdom. And this section hit me like a bolt of light. He says this, beginning with a question, has the realization gripped you that the very life of heaven itself dwells within you here and now? Did you ever know that? I am afraid we live most of our life in terms of promise. Our gospel is a gospel of glorious promise and hope. Yes, the best, the glorious best is yet to be, and yet the future has already begun. The age to come has reached into this age. The kingdom of God has come unto you. The eternal life which belongs to tomorrow is here today in part, but in reality. And then he goes on and he says this. This is so good. This is what eternal life means. This is what it means to be saved. It means to go about every day in the present evil age, living the life of heaven. It means every local fellowship of God's people, a.k.a. the church, who have shared this life should live together and worship and serve together as those who enjoy a foretaste of heaven here on earth. This is the gospel of the kingdom. The future has begun. That age has reached into this age. The kingdom is here. Eternal life is here. Yes, it's in part, but it is reality. And so if this is true, if this is true, You shouldn't need me to say much about it by way of motivation. You just shouldn't. I mean, I love doing it. And I just, you know, I love it. But this, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. When we live the reality of the now, of the gospel of the kingdom, when we speak words of light, which is my prayer before I get up here, God, just words of light. I have nothing. I have nothing that you haven't given me. But the Holy Spirit will be working through these moments because if they're just for me, they're going to be super dim or maybe even dark. But God, if you speak their words of light, so it's, and that's just not on Sunday, you know. I already said that, okay. So um, words of light, deeds of light, everywhere you go. Here's the beautiful thing. Every time we love someone in Jesus' name. Every time we serve someone, every time we meet a need, every time we show some mercy, we are pointing to a better day. 
that there is a coming reality. Like when we show up on the 28th and we feed some hungry people, listen, we are pointing people to a place where people will never hunger or thirst again. When we uh, show people mercy in terms of bandaging a wound, or I love this idea of praying over people for healing, and God actually heals them on the spot, like we believe the Holy Spirit can do that as we're praying, we're pointing to a better city where sickness is unwelcomed. When we just love people, we're, we're, we're pointing to the time when hate will no longer be with us any longer. This is the beautiful part. Do you see how this infuses every good deed, every act of justice and mercy that we could ever launch into? When we do it for God and when we do it in such a way that we're seeking to show who he is and embody his kingdom and shine forth his light, we're saying, you see this? Just wait. Just wait. The world we long for, heaven itself, is showing up in very microscopic previews and glimpses, glimpses and foretastes, but it is showing up. And so in light of that, I don't know anything but to say, let's move out. Let's move out. I almost skipped verses 37 and 38, but this is the whole point. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The, the, harvest, the harvest is plentiful. And so often I'm really like, hey, it might be plentiful. Gee, I hope it's plentiful. It's plentiful for people over there. I mean, they got the cool pastor and the resources that we don't have, you know. But... And Jesus is saying, step into the now. And pray with such a passion that it, it sounds like you're begging God. That's what that word earnest means. That we just pray with such a passion and an earnestness to say, God, send more people out into your field. The, the harvest is about people. Will we join Jesus' forces and be his laborers to bring about this kingdom harvest? The, the, it's, it, what he's saying is that people are ready. People are ready. They just need to hear about who he is. They just need to see who he is. And that's why we go. And so I want to pray, and I want to ask you to pray, and I just want to ask you to, to just search your heart for a moment. And what is it, like where is it that God is saying I want to send you out. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's the great sender. And so in whatever way that it is, maybe you're here and you're new, and you're new to Jesus and Christianity, and you're saying, like, I want to step into the kingdom. I want my life to change. I want this life that you're talking about. I want to embody a better city and a better kingdom and live this way, pouring my life out for the people around me. If that's you, you can say yes to Christ today. But whatever it is, in whatever way that God is calling you to love the people around you and to serve them in his name, would you say, God, I'm your man, I'm your woman, I am ready to do whatever it is that you call me to do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are a visionary God. 
and that you are a God who has come to us and ran toward us in our pain and brokenness to bring us wholeness and healing and salvation. And so, God, would you do the work that only you can do in our lives this morning? God, we didn't show up today so that we could just kind of feel good for 75 minutes and then move out, Lord. But we, we want your touch to move us to the point where we are stepping out with ultimate confidence and authority that your kingdom is coming. And heaven is touching earth. And Medford's going to be a different city, and Boston's going to be a different city. And as these 14 churches who were locked in together are saying, we're Jesus' people, we're about his kingdom vision in our cities, Lord, that you would do something in our day that astounds the people around us. God, we can't wait. And so, God, whatever it is, whatever decision we need to make, whatever, whatever way we need to step out, Lord, help us to lean into all of who you are. God, give us your heart. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. If you would stand, and we're going to sing a couple of songs that really are prayers to God. The dominant prayer of the first song is exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. The second song, it, it, it speaks of building our life on Christ so that wherever we are, whatever we're up to, that, that, that we're making a difference in the lives of those around us. And so maybe you, maybe you need to pray where you are. Maybe you need to, there's no prayer team today, but maybe you just need to come down and pray and just say, God, would you do it again? Do this in my life. I want to live this kind of way for your name. However it is that God is speaking to you, don't hold back. Step into it. All for his name. Let's sing.